Hey, Rafer. Yes, Kristen. You're an adult human. I am. I'm an adult human. Yep. Let's have an adult conversation for a moment here. Okay. Have you ever made a sex tape? Oh, for God's sake, Kristen. You don't want to answer why this, would you, do you? Why would you ask me that question on <laughs> the air on a nationally you know, broadcast podcast? You know why. And it's international. We have those <laughs> listeners over in Edinburgh. International. Even better. <laughs> To protect the people I love, I'm just going to take the fifth on that. Okay. All right. Okay. That's, that's so nice of you. I'm sure they appreciate it. I don't have any real expertise in the subject. I'll just put it that way. Hmm. And you? That's such a vague answer. That's so vague. I'm slippery. I'm a slippery question. This is, this is how I've gotten by in life. <laughs> you know, um... It's it's a whole other level nowadays, though, because it's not just, well, you know, m- remember movies like Sex Lies and Videotape? Of course. Like, let's just use the camcorder. Right. And Video. Then, videotape. Yes. And then the videotape, you actually just need to physically destroy it. Nowadays, right. Nowadays, we have all sorts of other technology where people can break into your phone or your device. And Nothing can, can really be destroyed. If you If you make a video today, there's really no way to actually destroy it. Yeah. Right? I, I mean, I'm not saying from personal experience, but... It's out there forever. <laughs> no, you're not saying from personal experience. <laughs> oh, God. Have you have you made a sex tape, Kristen? <laughs> oh, so, what are this week's movies, Rafer? <laughs> uh-huh. I'm uh, going to say I'm a little smoother than you are. Yeah, what? Okay, Kristen. Okay. <laughs> now that we've gotten that out of the way, now that, <laughs> now that we've laid all our cards out of the table. Well, this week's movies, of course, are sex tape starring Jason Siegel and Cameron Diaz as a couple who makes one. Not a tape, a file. Sex file, it should be called. Uh, <laughs> sex, <file. laughs> sex JPEG. Sex MP4. <laughs> and we also have Planes, Fire and Rescue, a new kids movie from the Disney Pixar team. And we also have The Purge Anarchy. Oh, yes. A sequel to last year's surprise hit, The Purge, uh, though not this time with Ethan Hawke. And, and Reefer, let's not forget to mention, we also have our very special interview with Mandy Patinkin talking about his new movie, Wish I Was Here. But first, let's introduce ourselves. I'm Rafer Guzman, movie critic for Newsday. And I'm Kristen Meinzer, culture producer for The Takeaway, and this is Movie Date. It's all about sex, sex, sex. Now, Planes, Fire, and Rescue. This is the sequel to the original Planes movie, which was supposed to go straight to video as well it should have. Yeah. Um, Dusty Crop Hopper in the first movie was a little um, crop-dusting plane who dreamed of bigger things. He wanted to race around the world with the big planes, and he succeeded in doing that. This time around, Dusty is facing um, some issues with his mechanical parts. Mm. One part in particular isn't doing so good. It's out of issue. What is he going to do? I feel like that's happened to me. (laughs) You're just like Dusty Crap Popper. You know, you get to a certain age. Certain parts just aren't working like they used to. (laughs) But uh, in this movie, while he's kind of on the DL waiting for his part to come in, there are searches to try and find a part to help him. He becomes a firefighting plane for a while. Oh, sure. Why not? Yeah, because that's what you're going to do when your parts aren't working. When, you're going to become a right. firefighter. Right. Yeah. Okay. Here's a clip. All aircraft, we've got a report of a wildfire. Come on, boys! Let's load up! Patch, drop the needle! It's an actual fire? Oh, yeah. It 
one. You guys only hear about the big ones. Now that's still Dane Cook as the voice of Dusty Crophopper, yeah? I don't know. <laughs> Oh, come on, Kristen. Do a little research. How much did I hate this you've movie? Seen, you've seen this yes. movie. I have not seen yes, it. Yes, yes, yes it is. Okay? <laughs> all right. Fine. I, I just said it all there. I hate this movie. <laughs> okay, you hate this movie. Well, now, just tell me this. Here's the thing. What is the problem with this movie? Can I take my kids to it? Will they like it or what? I don't know. I mean, kids like cars. Kids yeah. like planes. They like all kids kinds like of crap. Trains. They'll watch anything. <laughs> They will. <laughs> Look, it's a flicking light. Yeah, yeah, they'll watch. They'll watch a lot of stuff. Kids will. But so what we'll... didn't? What didn't you like about this? Okay, though? so I just. It was so boring. It's hard just watching planes when they don't really have <laughs> actual like conflicts or character. And I think one of the biggest issues is the movie has no heart. I and I think inanimate objects can be sweet and funny. They don't all have to be awful. Like, sure. I mean, like the teapot from. Beauty and the Beast. With a brave little toaster, you know? Yes, right. Yes, there's all sorts of inanimate objects that can be cute. It's not that I hate planes in theory. Okay. I just think that these ones are poorly rendered. I'm going to quote Jeff Yang, who writes for the Wall Street Journal and who's been on our show before. Yeah. He said, you know, if they were to make a gendered inanimate object movie that's equivalent for girls, it would be called Dresses. This is just so <laughs> it's just like point. such <laughs> obvious gendered marketing. Yeah, right, of course. And and it's just pathetic. It's like do better. Right. You can do better than this. You can be interesting. You can have good characters. You can have good racing sequences and planes can be fun to watch, but you need to have good story and good character. This doesn't have it. Planes so, fire and rescue bad 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 date. Bad date. Wow, I'm sorry to hear that. Yet another thing I cannot take my child to even though he would probably love it. No, terrible. But I refuse. <laughs> what about Purge Anarchy, though? Can you take your kids to that? The Purge Anarchy. Anarchy, the, is it the Purge Anarchy or is it Anarchy the Purge? It's the Purge it's Anarchy. the Purge Anarchy. Uh, the Purge colon Anarchy. I get, I, I get mixed up. So, yeah, now this is the sequel to the uh, kind of surprise hit of, of last year. Not a blockbuster, but for a small, low-budget-ish kind of action, semi-horror movie. The Purge became, like, it did, I think, a good $75 million, somewhere near 100 It did really well, and it was a big hit. I think people just love the premise of it, too. The, the premise, premise is just fantastic. The premise is great, if you remember, uh, because I reviewed it on the podcast. It's, uh, the, the, it's very simple. Basically, it's in the future and in America. For one night each year, 12 hours, uh, all crime is legal. All crime. You name it, including murder, worse, Anything you can think Just of. Just get it out of your system. Get out of your system and purge. And the government encourages you to do this. And, you know, they say things like, have a successful cleanse. <laughs> uh, you know, of course, and then the rest of the year you'll be under their imperialist power. That's and a, you have no choices ever. That's exactly right. Everything goes you know, 6 a.m. hits. The purge is over. Everything goes back to normal. Uh, so uh, that starred Ethan Hawke. That was essentially a home invasion film. Ethan Hawke was protecting his family from some intruders. In this one, uh, Ethan Hawke is not here with us any longer. Uh, so we've got Frank Grillo from uh, Captain America, The Winter Soldier. He was one of the Ooh. villains. And he plays a loner called Leo who is out on the streets during the purge. He's not a bad guy. He's looking to avenge a death. He's going to use the purge as an excuse to avenge the death of a loved one. Like so many dark, brooding loners, he also has a heart. And of course, when he sees people in trouble, he can't help but go rescue them, and before the film is through, he's got this collection of wounded birds that he's now in charge of. Uh, a young mother, uh, played by Carmen Ejogo, um, and oh, her teenage her. daughter. Yeah, she's actually really good, and then um, Zach Guilford plays a guy who uh, is a kind of a 
white bread suburban type who gets sucked into this whole thing. So he's got this little collection of people he's trying to he's trying to protect. If they can make it across Los Angeles, it's a tall order pretty much on any given weeknight. But if they can make it across Los Angeles during the purge to a friend's safe house, maybe they'll be okay. Here's a clip. This is what he was looking for tonight. Let's bring these two downstairs. Big Daddy, we have two for your personal purge. Bringing them down now. Now, one thing I know from horror movies is you don't really want those weak, injured people with you, though. They're just going to hold you back. Or, you sh- or I yeah. guess you can use them as pawns, right? That's, that's right. But, <laughs> but, but Leo is not that kind of guy. He's not, he's not going to use them as a human shield. He's, <laughs> he's not that kind of guy. Um, you know, he's going he's gonna to try to save these guys. Here, I was a big fan of the first Purge movie because it was a kind of rough, rugged, low-budget, not super well put together, but smart and interesting movie that wound up saying some things about class and race um, sort of tangentially. You know, as the film goes on, you kind of do start to realize, oh, the people who are going to survive the purge are the rich. They can afford the alarm systems. They can afford the barricades. And the people who are going to die are the poor. And those are going to be mostly minorities. So that was kind of a subtext in the first film. And in this film... It's right up front and center. And I would say that this movie is maybe one of the angriest and most pointed commentaries on America that I've seen in a long, long time. This is the first movie I can think of, aside from maybe Django Unchained, this is the first movie I can think of where you actually have black people rising up against rich white people in this bloody, bloody, violent spasm of revolt. And it's filled with a lot of pretty shocking scenes about how the wealthy are treating people and how the, uh, the poor are getting by and how the purge has set up essentially a class system and how maybe the government might be part of all this and that perhaps this is intentional. And it's kind of, for in its pulpy B-movie way, it's pretty bold and pretty daring. And, you know, given all the revolution movies we've seen in the past, Hunger Games and uh, Elysium and uh, District 9, all these movies about the underclass rising up, this one really drives it home in what I thought was a pretty daring way. Um, mm. So I, you know, I would say... This is a really good date. I was really, really impressed by this movie. So the purge, anarchy, even better than the first purge. It's it's definitely better than the first purge. I, I would I would highly recommend the movie to anyone, especially if you're a B movie fan. This is right up your alley. Let's return to the earlier subject of sex tapes, Rafer. Oh yes, let's. So. We're not going to discuss our own sex tapes. We're going to discuss this fictional sex tape or MP4 made by Cameron Diaz and Jason Siegel in this new film, Sex Tape. They are playing a couple. They're married. They have a couple of kids. They've been together since college. They used to just love having sex with each Mm-mm. other. Nowadays, they kind of have to schedule it. And even then, it doesn't always happen. And, uh, you know, just your regular they're, – they're not – a couple that, quote, is in trouble, but they are a couple that I think is reflective of a, of a lot of families in America. Yes. After a certain point with the kids, everything else, so many years together, how are we going to spice things up? Hey, let's let's drop the kids off at mom's house. Let's spend a night by ourselves and make a sex tape. 
So that's what they do. But, of course, the sex tape gets out onto the cloud, and it must be contained. And that's where the crisis comes in. Here's a clip. How do you forget to erase your sex tape? Because it kept slipping my mind, and then the next thing I knew, it went up. It went up to the cloud. And you can't get it down from the cloud? Nobody understands the cloud. It's a mystery. All right, well, first off, are you a fan of these two actors, Jason Segel? Oh, I love them. I think they're both delightful. They're just funny. They're relatable. They're people you want to have as your friends. Relatable in a weird way, because it's like they both kind of look like movie stars, I think. But they Does don't Jason look like... Jason Segel look like a movie star? You know, he's like 6'4". And, yeah, he's tall and big. Uh, yeah, and, you know, I, and, uh, you know, funny and handsome. And um, Cameron Diaz is great and funny and pretty and all that stuff. And so I... I guess when I say relatable, I mean they're like the best looking people in your whole city. <laughs> but <laughs> okay, that's what you mean by relatable. Um, yeah, I like them. I like them too. I think they're both really good and 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 likable. I think Cameron Diaz in this movie actually is my favorite part of the movie, and not just because you get to see her naked a lot, although that does help. But you know what I thought was interesting about this movie is the sex tape is her idea. It's entirely her idea, for like from like from top to bottom. It's her idea, and she actually has a lot of ideas in this movie about sex. And she's got a really strong, healthy sexual appetite and an adventurous streak. And yet, she's not made to pay for that the way you would see in other movies. In other movies, when you've got sexually aggressive or let's say kinky women, um, they're either promiscuous, they're doomed, they're tragic, they're a femme fatale. They're punished. They're punished in some way. They're going to draw you, the guy, into some kind of dangerous underworld. There's going to be some horrible price to pay when you get involved with this horrible, sexually aggressive, perverted person. Um, And here she's just, she's a wife, she's a mom, and she's great in the sack. So I feel like she's really the best part of the film. And I, I love, actually... The first third of this movie. Where so do I. You see them sort of. You see the. You see them having all these quickies in college. You see the dynamic between them over the years. Yeah. You see how they actually communicate, not just about their relationship in general, but about sex in particular. Yep. You see those moments of, oh, we kind of are taking each other for granted, or I'm so used to seeing you naked that I'm just going to walk into the shower right now and right. not even notice right. that exactly. you're naked. All. Like all the things that happen when we're in long-term relationships, right? all of that's so well done and relatable. It's like, it's not hostile. It's not mean. It's not resentful. It's just like, we've been together a long time. Right. And I think the, and what I loved about the sex tape part of the film when they're actually making it, although you don't really see the sex tape itself until the end credits, uh, but when they actually make the sex tape and they're done and they're lying there in the living room and they've got the blankets on them and they're surrounded by a, a spatula and a couple of tennis balls and two giant salamis and they're all done, uh, they've got this kind of nice afterglow and they look really happy and they look like a little bit embarrassed but really, really happy. And I thought there was something really intimate and sweet and funny about that whole first third of the film. Oh, I totally agree. But then there's the other two thirds of the film, Rafer. Right. Where I was mostly cringing and I was embarrassed for everybody. Oh, really? And I really? thought that the scenes went on too long and they weren't particularly funny. They did go on too long it and they weren't l- as funny as they should have been. Yeah. At that point, everything should have been snappy. It should have been a race. It should have been against the clock. It should have been boom, 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 boom. We got to get this contained. And it didn't feel like that. It felt like really long scenes like, oh... I'm in my potential boss's mansion for what feels like hours. Well, that's I'm... really the only... <laughs> right. I mean, you raise a good point, and this is what I was noticing. Um, that scene is really the only... That's the, that's the centerpiece of the film, really. Yeah. That's the main 
centerpiece of the film. And you're right. There shouldn't have been just one. Yeah. Did you like uh, Rob Lowe as the as the boss? I, I like Rob Lowe. He's always a treat. Didn't you think it was kind of interesting? That, so I thought it was funny because Rob Lowe plays a, uh, plays a nerd with a dark side. And when you see his dark side, without spoiling too much, when you see his dark side, it's clearly a nod to his own past. But the one thing he you – know, so he's clearly sort of poking fun at his own reputation. But he – he never actually – they never send up his actual sex tape. He's one of the most famous sex tape celebrities out there. He, he was, was like, like the first big one. He was like the first big guy in like 88, right, with a couple of very, very, very young girls. I don't think they were underage technically. but One of them was underage. One of them was 16, but if I, if I, remember, if I remember correctly, it was like the legal age in that state oh. or something. It was Anyway, whatever it was. He's like one of the most famous sex tape guys, and they make no mention of that. I thought that was a little odd. You mm. know what I mean? But yeah, maybe that they, was in they, his maybe they, that was in his contract. I don't know. <laughs> but I also yeah. thought there was weird animal cruelty in this movie. Yeah, there's a lot. There's a lot. There's a, a lengthy, lengthy dog scene that had a, that I did think kind of went a little too far. Yeah, at one point it was yeah. bad. It was bad. And yeah, yeah. It just it should have been more fun. It should have been more snappy. I think what I would have actually liked it to be a little more wild and wooly. I thought it could have for an for an R rated movie about a sex tape. It's not a very daring, explicit, shocking, or kind of... It doesn't really go there in mm. the way that you might think, you know, sex tape, rated R. You you kind of, you know, my expectations were a little high for, yeah, to see some stuff. Yeah, it's very PG sex, actually. It's pretty PG, yeah. yeah. Ex- again, except for the end. Um, so, sex tape, you say what? Are you saying bad date? I'm saying not so good date. Uh, I'm saying okay date. Hmm. I'm saying no, passable say, date. No, I was really happy when the sex tape was over. <laughs> I really was. Yeah. Okay. Like, hmm. I, I'm going to go home by myself now. Oh. That's the kind of date it was. Yeah. All right. Okay. Yeah. Well, I, don't want, I don't want you coming home with me. <laughs> you like that better than planes, but I didn't like, and I didn't like it as much as the purge anarchy. <laughs> exactly. But maybe you'll like Wish I Was Here Best of All. That's the new movie by Zach Braff, who, of course, put himself on the movie map with Garden State yep. many years ago and that awesome soundtrack by The Shins. And this movie, he is a guy who's still kind of a man boy, struggling to make it in acting. He has a wife who works really hard, played by Kate Hudson. And he has a brother who's kind of a slacker, played by Josh Gad, who we love from Frozen, yes. who we've had on the show before. And his father, played by Mandy Patinkin, is dying. And we love Mandy Patinkin. He's done so many amazing things. Yeah. Not just The Princess Bride and Homeland. and I mean, he just does everything. Mandy yeah. Patinkin is great. Uh, but I got the chance to sit down with Mandy Patinkin and talk with him about this movie. And we'll play that interview in just a moment. Hi, I'm Mandy Patinkin. Mandy Patinkin, thank you so much for talking with us today. The first thing I wanted to ask about was your character in this new film, Wish I Was Here. You play a man who's footing the bill for his secular grandkids to go to a private Orthodox Jewish school in Los Angeles. And I just wanted to talk with you about your own upbringing as a Jewish person in Chicago and whether you brought any of that to this role. Sure. I grew up on the south side of Chicago, and uh, um, Judaism was certainly a part of our life. As a matter of fact, our life indeed revolved around the synagogue in Chicago. I was brought up as my 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 father was an Orthodox Jew uh, in his family. 
but I was brought up as a conservative Jew. I always make a joke, if you're a conservative Jew from Chicago, that makes you a Reformed Jew in New York and an Orthodox Jew in Los Angeles. <laughs> so, but I... I spent my life after school in Hebrew school in the boys' choir in the synagogue on the weekends on Saturday and Shabbos, which is uh, Saturday, and Friday night services, which were the family services. And it was a major part of my life. But indeed, I feel this movie, Wish I Was Here, it's not, it's not a Jewish movie. It's not, it's not about... It, it, it happens to be that Zach is Jewish, and, and he told his story, which is a universal story. It's like when I made my album Mama Lotion. It wasn't a, it wasn't a story about a Jew. It wasn't a, a record just for Jews. Matter of fact, I got more response from the Asian musicians and the African American musicians who played on my other records who said, "You know, we played on all your records and this one got, hit us more than anything else and we didn't even understand a word of it." And over time I realized that the lesson of it was to take a bath in your culture, um, let it wash over you, let the music, the food, the people wash over you. You don't need to know where it's going. You don't, it doesn't have to be some memory rekindled by a grandparent or a father and see what it does to you. And indeed, the case with Wish I Was Here, it happens to be told by you know two young Jewish guys that wrote it, brothers. And so it's a Jewish story, but it's a universal story about a family and about connecting and about um, the mistakes we make as people and, and, the, and the wishes and dreams we have to try to turn the darkness in our lives into light. And that's the story Zach wrote, you know, to try to be present, be in the moment, uh, not miss it. Um, and uh, with his children, with his wife, with his brother, with his dad. And um, you only get one ride only so many sunrises, sunsets, and don't miss it. Mandy, you've done such a wide variety of projects over the years. Uh, this new movie, The Princess Bride, Homeland, Yentl, all your work on Broadway. Is there something that all of these projects have in common that draws you to them? My favorite word in life is the word connect. Uh, I love Homeland because it asks people to listen. It asks people to think out of the box. It addresses the question of, is it necessary to kill your enemy? Is it not possible to listen to the differences that are within all of us all over the world and even possibly to be lovers with your enemy and accept those differences rather than feeling one needs to annihilate the differences? It is those differences, I think, that make our fabric of the world's populace so incredible. And um, I love this movie because it's asking you to connect. It's asking the kids to connect to their, their parent who's still alive. Um, it's asking the brothers to connect to themselves. It's asking the family to connect to each other. And, it, and it's being very clear about the hourglass. This time is running out. And, but that's for all of us. And don't miss the opportunity. And... Even if it's the very last second that you see the light, that's okay. But just be open to the possibility that the world doesn't have to be a dark place. Your life doesn't have to be a dark corner. Your relationships, your family, your, your heart doesn't have to be dark. It can be filled with light. It's not easy. I'm not being Pollyanna here. It, it, it's, it's work, but it's great work. You know, you really have to say to yourself... Um, can I change? And is it worth it? Changing your behavior might be the toughest thing on the planet to do because chances are our behaviors were ingrained long before we even knew how to talk. 
We've been doing whatever we've been doing that we might not be happy with for a very long time. It doesn't mean we can't change it. It is like climbing Everest, but it is really worth the effort if you think life needs to be better for you in this very short window that we're here. And I encourage myself, my children, my audiences, you know, don't settle for something you're not happy with. One of your best lines in the movie is, if I had a chance, if I have another chance, I might do things differently, something along those lines. Are are there things that you would do differently? No, because all the mistakes I've made up to this 61-year-old person you're talking to are everything that have, and, and, and the good things that I've done, but particularly the mistakes... Those are the things that were probably my greatest lessons, and I honestly don't know who I'd be without them. And if you took my mistakes away from me, I would be quite bereft in terms of being the human being I am today. I remember when I was a kid, I met with Gene Kelly, the great Gene Kelly, and I was about 25 or 6, and he said to me, let me tell you something, kid. I remember it word for word, and it's corny, but he said it, and this is exactly what he said. He said, let me tell you something, kid. We never learned anything from our successes. Successes, they pat you on the back and send you on your way. But our failures, we turned them inside out and upside down, and they taught us everything we knew, everything we know. And and so I, I don't, you know, it's not a pleasure, any pain I caused others or myself, but it's part of life. Nobody gets away without it. Everybody makes mistakes. It's called being a human being. And as Steve Sondheim said so beautifully in his lyric, people make mistakes. Fathers, mothers, people make mistakes. Holding to their own, thinking they're alone. Honor their mistakes. Everybody makes one another's terrible mistakes. Witches can be right. Giants can be good. You decide what's right. You decide what's good. Just remember. Then it goes on. Mandy Patinkin, you're wonderful. Thank you so much for talking with us. Oh, Kristen, you get all the good assignments. Oh, Mandy Patinkin was wonderful. And you know what? He's such a hugger. Yeah. You know I love a hugger. I think you're just a hugger and you and people like to hug you. I love to hug. No one I ever love hugs me. hugging. Everybody hugs you. Remember when Stellan Skarsgård was in? Oh, Stellan Skarsgård hugged me, sure. He's a hugger, too. Leonardo DiCaprio did not hug me. Oh. No. Really? No. He... He, he, you know what? I didn't go in for it. You're not but, a model. You know. <laughs> That's you're, why. You're gorgeous, Ray, for our listeners always comment on how cute you are. Oh, but, but if you were a blonde model, yeah. Then, then maybe then. <laughs> All right. Well, c'est la vie. Uh, All right. Let's turn our attention to trivia, Kristen. Uh, the most important part of every week. Now, last week, uh, we'd been talking about Dawn of the Planet of the Apes. Which a I, movie which you hated. I hated. Boy, I've gotten some response from people oh, on uh, yeah. hating that. Some well, of our listeners are shocked with you. I know. It's true. Um, you know what's funny? I still hate it. <laughs> uh, okay. And we were asking you to, we were talking about other movies that had uh, apes in them. And so we played a clip from this movie. Yeah, shiitake. Monkey taste it. What do you think? Is it shiitake? He can't understand you. He just did. Why is he pulling on it? He's probably hungry. Wait a second. Is that? We asked you to name that movie. Here's an answer that we got from Kevin Corpy. 
He wrote into uh, our Facebook page and said, Is that from the first Hangover movie? Sounds kind of like that scene near the beginning when they're waking up in the hotel. Kevin, close, but no cigar. It's from The Hangover 2. And no one got this answer right. I like to think that's because they didn't see the movie. I kind of like to think that, too. I hope so. You and I gave that a terrible <laughs> review. We said that was one of the worst dates ever. It I, was awful. It that was, was the movie bad, with the... Bad date. It was the one that had the little monkey and uh, the, guy, the monkey that smoked. It was very controversial. Yes. Um, much like perhaps Sex Tape and its dog will be. Uh, <laughs> but Kristen, so we stumped the listeners. Let's see if we can give them an easier one. What's this week's trivia? All right. Well, in honor of Sex Tape and Jason Siegel. We're going to play a clip of Jason Siegel in a movie. Now, some of you may have noticed this trend. Jason Siegel sings a lot he in does, his movies. He does like to sing. He, he actually writes a lot of the songs that are in his movies also. So uh, we're going to play a clip of Jason Siegel in one of his movies singing. Give us a call if you know what that movie is in which Jason Siegel is singing. Call us at 5717movies. Or you can write us at facebook.com slash moviedatepodcast. Those who wish to be 